podcast. I'm your host, Jay Probs. And I'm Dr. Cash. Today, we're going to be talking about NBA basketball, um, going into depth on the matchups. And so starting out, just Dallas Mavericks, Golden State Warriors, game two. Um, what are your initial thoughts, Dr. Cash? This series should be 1-1. I mean, Dallas is a really very winnable game for them. Um, it's just complete lack of adjustments from Coach Kidd after they couldn't hit a three. I mean, that team lives and dies by the three, and when they were dying, they made no adjustments to start living. So huh, I think that um, what if, if Dallas wants to win, I mean, they're, they're going to have to find a way to stop the bleeding if they can't make any threes in game three and four. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's – for Dallas, it's been lived by the three there. And I, I think you saw, I mean, the, there are guys like Reggie Bullock that are succeeding off that, right? But then, I mean, you're not succeeding as a team, and that's where you need to be winning. And I think if they maximize guys like Spencer Dinwiddie more, I mean, he only had four points in that game too. Um, if, they, if they can maximize him, especially in times when their shot isn't falling, I think then they can be super successful because they don't have to live and die by the three. Right, I mean, th- there were plenty of adjustments that could have been made. Like, Maxi Kleba just couldn't – he couldn't stay with Kavon Looney, which is really surprising. But when when you keep seeing that and Looney has 20 points, like, at that point, that's where your coach, you got to make an adjustment. I mean, they have Marquise Chris, who's a quality center, who gives a lot of effort, who hasn't got any minutes in the playoffs for some reason, who can come in – and guard Kevon Looney. He's played on that Warriors team. He knows how they like to run that five. And I, I feel like that, that that's a perfect opportunity to take a chance on Chris. I get it. It's just the Western Conference Finals. You, you've you gone small ball the entire playoffs, and it's worked to an extent. But at a point when you have a backup center, I mean, who, who would be backup if their team was healthy, Dropping twenty points comfortably mm-hmm. on your team, wide open layups, every possession. That's 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 the that's the time to take that risk. Put in Marquis Chris, but the, some like an adjustment like that is what Coach Kid has to do if they're trying to uh, get back in this series. Yeah, and I think you need to make an adjustment to the point where you're able to, because once Kevon Looney starts tearing you up, you need to make sacrifices elsewhere. Because obviously, it's happening because they're they they want to try and guard Steph, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson more, right? Yeah. They're making sacrifices to Kevon Looney, but obviously it's not working. So you have to make adjustments. You have to maybe stack off someone off a little bit more. Maybe, I, I don't know, but cause I'm not an NBA head coach, but I know you got to do something, right? I mean, you, yeah, can't, like, you can't let Kevon Looney's cook you. Dallas was in the same situation last round. You're down 0-2 against a really good team. Uh, mm-hmm. They got players like Chris Paul who have experience and Jay Crowder, the Suns did. And coming into game three, Jason Kidd made adjustments. He started um, he, he started pressing Chris Paul up the court. So when they tried doing a screen to get Luka on CP3, either Bullock or Finney Smith was able to get around that screen. And, and that's what eventually got uh, Paul into foul trouble in game three. Yeah. And in both games, or the, really the rest of the series, Paul didn't get that many shots up. And we kind of mentioned, I think, in the last podcast, like how he struggled so much like because he couldn't find his own shot. 
And and it was because of Dallas's adjustments. It just it wasn't because Chris Paul didn't want to take a shot. It was because of what what he was given on uh or what Dallas gave him from defensively. So exactly something like that is what they're gonna have to do, whether that be inside or center or I don't know what else, what other possibility could stop Kavon Looney from getting easy layouts, but something like that, like what we saw in in the Sun series. Yeah, for sure. I mean I, I'm sure someone in Dallas, some staff member, Jason Kidd, has the ability to create something that can stop Kavon Looney. And I think Kavon Looney's not the root of the problems, right? It's yeah, how can no. you limit Steph Curry? How can you limit Jordan Poole? And I mean, I think that's where the Kavon Looney problem stems off from. Because you are you need to find a way to to be able to to, to minimize the effect of these three all-star guards but then also be able to cover guys like Kevon Looney who can just feast in the paint and know exactly how to play off the Steph and I think that's where the adjustment needs to come yeah for sure I mean I 100% agree with you there it's 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 like it's probably one of the most obvious um coaching adjustments that I've been able to I've been able to see while watching game like yeah, I'm not I'm not like a NBA coach, scout, anything like that, but like yeah. when when that player when Kevon Looney is getting layups, I mean practice shot layups during a game, twenty points, like you you have to do something about it. You have to. It, especially when you're in a Western Conference final series. Like it can't be emphasized enough. Like I don't know what co- what other game coach kid is watching. He's done a phenomenal job this year. I don't know yeah. what game he's watching to the point that he knows to not he knows that he needs to make an adjustment there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean that's the name of the game, especially for the Mavs when they're. I mean, to be honest, they're they're just not as talented um, on every single side of the ball as the Warriors are. So they need to find some advantage, some way that they can maximize Luca, Brunson, Dinwiddie, someone maximize their ability and also use this scheme use something to help to help give them an advantage um and i mean going into the warriors again um look, looking at uh, let's just say looking at an x factor for the warriors because i feel like they've been playing so well um who would you who would you give you their x factor as i mean looking at it from like the first two games i i think it's jordan Poole because He's averaging 21 points off the bench, and mm-hmm. he's shooting a combined um, 15 of 22. Yeah, I don't think people are talking about that enough, or if it's just expected from a player like him, like from what we've seen this year. But he's been super efficient. He's been able to get his shot in the paint. Um, he mm-hmm. made two of his four threes in game two. So I think overall he's been the X factor, but like looking at individual games like i'd say game two it definitely should go to kavon looney because of just what he did like not all his shots came from um just came from set play i mean none of his shots really came from set plays i mean like they didn't come from him being open like some of them he like a lot of times he he got offensive rebounds yeah he initiated it and sometimes he got he grabbed an offensive rebound and got a put back layup so the play happen yeah, he made those plays happen. He kept the Warriors alive, and I think yeah, that's that that's what made him the X factor for Game Two. For sure, for sure, and I I think 
I think I think that's the biggest thing for the Warriors. I think having someone like Kevon Looney, Otto Porter Jr., Andrew Wiggins, who can who can kind of step up. And I mean, when you have three guys who can play so well, then you have Draymond as a facilitator. I think that last guy on the field on the court, he just has to either hit threes, find cutting lanes, and just knock down baskets. I think that's something Kevon Looney does well. And then I think the, the entire Warriors roster around these guys, that is the X factor because they have been built almost perfectly to, to fit this because they can shoot threes, they can space the floor, and they give their three all-star guard space to work. And I think that's the biggest X factor. And if we are limiting it to a single player, I I really want to say Andrew Wiggins. I want to say that he, yeah, no, I, I, he, he is the X factor because he can he can go for this insane amount of points, but then also on a on a night be there as a three point shooter who can space the floor, but also attack inside and and do damage there. Yeah, and then, and then like his defense, like what we saw in game exactly. one from Luca, like in the second half, Luca had like two points, something like that. So I think like that wasn't talked about enough. And so from from that, I think, yeah, Andrew Wiggins definitely deserves his respect. And he came up huge in game game two with some three-pointers, um, especially yeah. when the Warriors were down 15-plus, like being able to cut down cut that down to 12, nine points. For sure, for sure. I think I, I think the ability the I'm I'm just saying the 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 Warriors so summarizing it, I'm just saying the Warriors bench is is so good and and the role players overall are so good at just taking what the defense gives them and benefiting from their stars and I think that's the X factor for them. Well, and yeah, but move, move. it's, it's uh, for me. Yeah, it's like taking they they took advantage of the Mavs when Luka was off the court. Like they forced Dinwiddie into some t- into some tough shots, and then um, obviously Brunson had a big game, but like it got to a point where the Mavs couldn't buy a bucket, and and the Warriors forced the Mavs. They didn't even force the Mavs. Like the Mavs had shots in the paint, they had floaters to take, but. I guess with the way the game was going, the Mavs felt they had to knock down threes in the war. Uh, credit to the Warriors yeah. defense. Credit to Steve Kerr there. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and then, and then when the Mavs kind of started making buckets, I mean they couldn't buy a stop for anything. Like it was, it was, it was sad, and they because because Luca was just knocking down three step backs. It was, it was crazy. But then on the next on the other side of the floor, Jordan Poole wide open three, Andrew Wiggins wide open three, and Steph Steph Curry daggers. And I mean, it's just like every single player on that on the floor for the Warriors at any given time can take over the game. Um, and I, I think Kevon Looney was a, was one of those weak points you could look at. And and, and then look at this, he, he scores twenty on you. Like that's not something you expect. And I think it just shows how dynamic and how dangerous this offense is. Yeah, I think that that's kind of what makes him special. I mean, just how 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 like wide his arsenal is, and that's just something. Yeah. Not only defenses in the playoffs, but like planning for him in the regular season is something like that teams struggle with, and it shows. Yeah, exactly, and. 
moving moving on to the Heat, uh, Miami Heat versus Boston Celtics game. Um, game three just finished um, this night, um, and Boston got blown out again. I mean, game one, game three, both blowouts, um, and it's. I don't know. I, I feel like Boston is just getting hurt. I mean, Robert Williams goes down. Marcus Parr's playing with an injury. It looks like Tatum might be too. Um, and yeah, yeah, it, it looks like Boston's not up to full strength. And it seems like they just don't have that same defensive tenacity that you saw in game two. And they can't they can't lock down Bam. They can't lock down Jimmy Butler. They're just going wild. Yeah, it's simply like Miami has, they have too many weapons and yeah, Jimmy exactly. Butler didn't return this game after leaving the second half, but they said he's expected to return for game four, which would be huge. But, yeah, going back to Bam's big night, 31 points, and I think that's really because the Celtics didn't have Robert Williams. And when you don't have that center who can play defense, and you're relying on Al Horford and Daniel Tice, who just aren't versatile enough to keep up with Bam. Um it's really going to hurt you, and it showed and it showed clearly tonight, and Bam took over, and if Williams doesn't play in game four, but I would expect him to do so, but if he doesn't, then I think Bam's going to have another big game, especially if they limit Butler's minutes. Exactly. I think that's one of the biggest things. They've, um, they've really unlocked Bam Adebayo. Um, I think he brings so much more to this offense as a, as a floor-spacing big who can get his get his points in the paint or in the mid-range. And I think he also brings something defensively. Um, he, he can he can survive in the paint while bringing so much upside on offense. Um, well, no, he can't just survive in the paint. He can excel in the paint on defense. Um, right. And, and I think that my this Miami team is so good offensively, defensively. They, they don't have a weakness, really. Yeah, and, and it's crazy, like, and also, like, I think what we saw from Bam in Game 2, like, he only took, I think, six shots Game 2. Now, in Game 3, the domination, like, and and uh, it just shows, like, what Coach Prostro was able to do, maybe change that mentality of Bam, being able to get call more plays to initiate his offense. But, I mean, yeah, back to your point, the, the Heat really don't have a weakness. They have three-point shooting. They got Max Schroes for that and Tyler Hero. They have defense, mm-hmm. P.J. Tucker, Bam, Jimmy Butler. And then offensively, I mean, like, everyone. Everyone there has some sport, some sort of specialty to contribute to the team's offense. And that, that right yeah. there is a championship team. Um, they're just they're so well-rounded, so balanced. And I, I don't know what solution the Celtics can come up with, really, other than maybe exactly. putting more pressure on Bam in the paint, but that opens up. Space so for Hero and, and Lowry, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, I mean, it seems like Miami is unstoppable, but I just want to talk about this Boston this Boston offense real quick before we move on. Um, do you think they can keep up with Miami? Because, I mean, they closed the gap pretty quickly um, in that last quarter, and yeah. it, lo- it looked like they, they had a chance. And, I mean, if they can sustain that for the entire game, I mean – game two i mean that just goes to show boston has it within them right um i mean i'll I'll slightly have to disagree with you there i feel like they got back into the game when jimmy was out and if jimmy's Mm -hmm. playing game four like i don't know because 
And Jalen Brown dropped 40. He dropped 40 points in a loss that they were down double digits most of the game. So I feel yeah. like in and with Jason Tatum's inconsistency, I don't I don't know if Boston can really find a way in, back into the series. But mm-hmm. it's they they can't lose game four going down three one and heading back to South Beach. Exactly. I, I, I think for from for my for Boston, sorry, for Boston, this, this game two is this sorry, game four is gonna be a must win. I mean and from that perspective, you're expecting a massive game from Jason Tatum, right? I mean, for sure, he he needs to deliver. I mean, and then you're also expecting Jalen Brown to drop twenty to thirty points. That's like as that's the bare minimum star. when you're facing the Heat. Exactly, and ten points from Jason Tatum is not going to cut it, right? Um, and I mean, Al Horford had a good game. Marcus Smart. He almost dropped 20. But I, I think yeah. Jason Tatum needs to score. And that, that's the only way they're going to win. Jason Tatum needs to score. Yeah. Wait, he, he only he only had 10 tonight? He only had 10, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I didn't I didn't even realize that. But, yeah, I didn't I didn't catch the entire game. But, yeah, for him, he can't have only 10 points to... Exactly. In a conference finals game. Especially mm-hmm. next game, must win. I, yeah, I feel like he's going to have a huge game. But it's really going to come down to defense. Exactly, and I mean that, that's been the story of this entire series, right? I mean, defense. Can Boston play defense? Can Miami play defense? Yeah. Or it's just gonna be blots where one team doesn't play defense. Right. I mean, Boston showed they can they can compete in game two. They can play defense on Miami, but mm-hmm. Miami did good job of responding. Yeah, for sure. Um, moving on to our final um, our final segment. Um. The 2022 NBA Draft Lottery concluded, um, and, and our number one winner is Orlando Magic with the number one pick again. Um, so this is, it, it's pretty much, it's gone on with lottery odds, right? That seems pretty normal, um, but we're going to be talking about a few outliers and our few winners that we got. Um, so the biggest loser I think everyone has tabbed is the Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they it, it wasn't a massive drop, um, but they did fall to number seven overall. Um, they they had the sixth worst record, so it's one one place, right? But but as a Trailblazers fan, you're kind of hoping for that top five, maybe top four pick because because you need someone to pair alongside with Dame, don't you? Um, you yeah, you I need, think. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, you're right. They need someone to pair alongside Damon. I mean, that top, anyone in that top five would have been perfect. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you're just trying to add talent around Dame, right? Um, and after getting rid of McCollum, you're, I mean, a big three, one of those yeah. big guys. I mean, yeah, maybe that Anthony Simons, like, I think he could now be a legit mm-hmm. number two. Exactly. And if you could have, I mean, we're not saying the number seven pick is nothing, right? You're gonna Lance, maybe Shaden Sharp drops to them. Um, yeah. But maybe you draft someone like Keegan Murray. But I think at the end of the day, if you'd gone in the top five, you not only is this something that you can draft a a really good player, but you can also package it in a trade 
get some kind of value. And I think there, if they had gotten a high enough pick, they could have swapped it, traded something, and, and maybe Got a built... second star. Exactly. Maybe they could have swapped for Jeremiah Grant. Maybe they could have traded that first-round pick to Detroit. Maybe they could have gotten someone else. I don't know. But at number seven, it feels like your options are kind of limited. Yeah, I think it's it's really going to depend on... I mean, obviously, depend on the picks ahead, but like... <sighs> I, looking at mock draft, I mean, obviously you got Chet, Paulo, and Jabari somewhere in that top three. It gets exactly. interesting at four and five. Like, I think Jaden Ivey deserves to go in that four and five spot, but I feel like if he doesn't, he's an instant candidate to go to Indiana, which would be interesting. I, I want to talk about that later. But if Ivey, obviously Ivey would be a blazer if he's not in the top six, but I, let's say Ivy and AJ Griffin go top, go uh, Ivy and AJ Griffin go go four and five. Yeah, it's between Keegan Murray and Shaden Sharp. Who who do you think would be a better fit for Portland? For Portland, I mean, when you look at it, Shaden Sharp brings so much upside, right? He he's this pro. I mean, you can throw him in at number three, uh, or you can throw him at throw him in at the at three spot alongside Simons and Dame. And he could kind of bring this. I don't know. It feels like he could become the Dame successor. I mean, both him and Simons would kind of look like that. Yeah. Um, and he, he just brings so much upside. Right. Um, but then, but then you look at Keegan Murray and I think, I think that's where you go. If you're, if you're, if you're Portland, because he, he kind of, Brings that kind of dynamic down low. He gives you a post score, someone, someone who can kind of complement the the Dame Simons. He can set picks. He can do all that kind of stuff. And I I think that's kind of because if you say Simons is your star for the future, then you can have Simons Dame as your backcourt, and then maybe you don't feel like Sharp is a necessity because he is an unproven value. You can go for Keegan Murray, who you know will help you. Mm-hmm. from day one or he he's much more of a sure product than Shaden sharp is right so i i think that's where portland goes because he can help them um, almost immediately i feel like compete for a title or compete for playoffs yeah i think uh sharp i feel like would obviously i think he's a high reward but also a high risk because i feel like with keegan murray like you know what you're gonna get out of him you know it's mm-hmm. gonna be like he could be a num- better number two. Um, and, like, I feel like the leap he could make alongside Dame is just – that would be incredible to see. So, I feel like Keegan Murray would uh, be, like, the safer choice. But um, I feel like then Sharp obviously could turn out to be better for Portland. But, yeah, like, as you said, if they got a top five pick, it would be so much better. But – I got a question for you. Like, as a Rockets fan, like, yeah, well, who do you want being a Rockets fan? To parallel, as a I mean, Rockets you, fan. yeah, I mean, you're looking at what KPJ, Jalen Green. I don't really know the Rockets that well, but yeah, yeah, but Christian Wood at at I, the, I, at the five. I I think the biggest thing for the Rockets. I mean, if Chet if Jabari falls, I mean, that's instantly we got to take him right and. At this point, I've seen a lot of Rockets fans. Um, we're kind of just 
talking ourselves into Paolo, right? I mean, if you look at the downsides, he he's not a good defender. If you look at how our team is built right now, we kind of do need a, a good defending big. Um, and Jabari Smith, Chet Holcomb would fill that perfectly. So I, I'm praying that they fall to us. But Paolo wouldn't be that bad of a pick if both of those two guys drop or fall or fall one two, and then Paolo's available at three. I'm fine with Paolo. He brings he brings an offensive play style that I think can fit next to Alpern Shengun. I think he can pass the ball well. He can score in the paint, and he can develop a three point shot. And if he he really wants to, he can be a serviceable defense, serviceable defender, and I think that's all you can really ask for. Especially with the upside he brings, um, offensively. So I think if, if we're at three and if Paolo's there, I'm not going to be mad. I think getting one of those top three picks. So that's that was the biggest thing for us, and I think we did that. So that's that's good. Yeah, I think like if you're a Houston fan, like um, having a top three pick, like you you live with that and i think i would mm-hmm. love to see paulo on houston obviously like being a mass fan you don't want you don't want i don't want the rockets to get be good anytime soon but paulo having paulo at the four wood at the five that'll be pretty cool yeah. um that'll be pretty cool to see but mm-hmm. yeah i mean man right now i'm just worried about this game three but yeah i think from a lottery standpoint big win for the rockets obviously for the magic Thunder got picks two and twelve. I also, like I mentioned earlier, I want to talk about the Pacers. Mm-hmm. Obviously, last season, trade away Sabonis, you get Halliburton, Buddy Heald, um, and basically tanked that the back half of that season. If the Pacers, I think they're going to land end up getting Jaden Ivy. If that becomes so, how do you think that lineup's gonna look? Because honestly, I, I'm a, that's it's probably gonna be my hottest take for next season. The Pacers in the play-in, if not in the playoffs, mm-hmm. if they decide to keep Brogdon and Turner, because you have a starting really? five that looks like this. You have a starting five that's Malcolm Ivy Brogdon at, at the one. Yeah, or I don't know about Ivy at point. I say Brogdon at the one, Halliburton at the two. Um. TJ Warren at the four, at the three, you either go Ivy or Healed. The other one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure you go Ivy. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, and then Healed be the six man, and then yeah. Miles Turner at the five. Like I don't, I don't know what, what about it, but it tells me like that's a playoff team. Yeah, I don't I, know I, why, but I feel like that's a big, that's a playoff team. For sure, for sure. I think it definitely feels like a playoff team. I don't have to disagree with you. I think Ivy plays point guard. I think that's his natural war role. And then you can move Brogdon. I think you put Halliburton to the three. I I think you can move Brogdon to the three. I mean, you can or you can run a three guard set, right? Yeah, but But I I think yeah, because you have you have Turner back there who can cover up some defensive mistakes, defensive inequalities. I feel like. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think if Indiana goes Jaden Ivy. Um, which, I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like he goes Pistons one, one, one pick earlier. But if he does goes to Indiana, I mean, that's a, that's so good for them. They get so so much good value. And I feel like being six, they get good value anyways. They get a good player and a good young player. Add. And I, I think that's what you need to 
to bring because if because they were stuck in that like middling state right kind of right like they're not great but they weren't terrible yeah exactly and I, i think you need to do something about that and getting a number six overall pick who i think might be shaden sharp who can be your number three, I feel like, in that role, and then become amazing, be an all-star level player. And if you pair either him or Ivy up with Halliburton, I think then you've got a serious, serious building blocks, and I think you're instant contenders, instant contenders. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, a lot of people, obviously, TJ Warren didn't play this year, so a lot of people forgot about him, but, like, you can't forget about what that man did in the bubble. I mean, he looked like prime MJ. He yeah. looked like Kawhi Leonard with the mid range, and uh-huh. so I feel like that's that Pacers team could be potentially like the Cavs as we saw this year, like just completely a really good fit all around. Um, but it'll be interesting to see because they they do have quite a few pieces. But I feel like depth depth obviously would be the main concern. I mean, you got a six man, whether that be I exactly. Or I would say Buddy Hield's probably the probable six man there. Um, but other than that, like TJ McConnell would be backup guard. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out next year. But other than that, I feel like the yeah biggest loser, um, Portland. I mean, the Pelicans are going to have the number eight pick. They could really end up with exactly. Ochai Abaji. Imagine yeah. that, like Ochai Abaji. I'm there. really high on Ochai, yeah. Yeah, what he showed throughout the tournament, I was – that was something special, and if if you put that put him on a New Orleans team that looks like we'll be giving Zion the max deal, mm-hmm. that West West Western Conference will look scary next year. I mean, got a healthy Clippers, got a healthy New Orleans, obviously exactly. Mavs, Suns, Warriors, Grizzlies, Timberwolves. The only team I really see falling off is Utah, maybe in that maybe. West. If if they trade, if Donovan, they, yeah, yeah, if they tear. Rudy Gobert and Mitchell Park. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. I mean, this playoffs is gonna be fun. It's already been fun, and then the draft's gonna be yeah, fun. We just gotta get like these conference finals games need to come down to last possession. Exactly. We can't have big blowouts all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for watching. Um, make sure to check out our website rewindthattape.com for weekly for articles every week and to check out our instagram at rewindthattape.com for new videos new articles new updates um and yeah thank you so much for watching peace